Hi everyone, welcome or welcome back to In Bloom Podcast. My name is Abby Aslan. If you are new here and I'm the host of this podcast, feels like it's been a minute since I've talked to you all because I just am literally just got back last night, technically today, to my actual house from being on vacation back at my parents' house in Florida for about a week. So I haven't talked to y'all in a little bit because last week's episode was pre-recorded pretty early. So I'm recording this one literally like the night before it goes up, but it feels like it's been forever since I've talked to y'all and I'm feeling so refreshed, but I'm also having like a really hard come down right now. I feel so refreshed just like from my time at the beach. I was literally at the beach every single day over the last week and it's just my ideal way of living, you know what I mean? Just being able to go to the beach being able to paddleboard and surf and be in the sun and read books on the beach. It's just my idea of paradise and happiness. So truly such an amazing time and feeling really refreshed from that time. But the I was just texting my friend um, from home and she was just asking how my time home was. And I was like, oh, it's good. But definitely experiencing a rough come down right now because the come down's always so hard after vacations um especially when you take a little bit of like a longer amount of time off and it's not just like a day or two and literally I when I like walked into the doors of my home I was like oh my gosh I gotta go back to work and my reality fabulous and experiencing that really hard come down after you know being on just like a high of not having to really work and um, just really being able to take things day by day and do things what I or do what I want to do day after day it's definitely a hard come down but it's just part of it you know and I what I try to tell myself when I experience that is okay you know it's gonna really suck for a little while but it's it's you know it's gonna pass you're gonna get back in your routine and you're gonna feel good getting back in your routine and it's gonna be okay and you know you can always you're always gonna be able to go back and visit and there will be another time for vacation soon and I just kind of have to remind myself you know this come down feeling is temporary you're probably gonna feel this way for two or three days and then you know as you continue to step into your routine each day it will sort of you know waver with time I guess so that's kind of what I have to tell myself when I go through this feeling because it's definitely really hard to experience that going from like a high high to a low low and everything because that come down from the high is definitely painful but this week I wanted to do my quarterly Q&A for a number of reasons one because I didn't really want to have to plan an episode while I was on vacation I was trying to truly unplug from work as much as I could I still ended up having to edit a video over vacation and I was still um, getting content for reels and shooting reels and everything and that kind of thing but I knew I would at least have to do something, so I just knew that it would be editing a video. So I told myself, I was like, okay, I either need to have something already planned when I get back home on Sunday evening, or I need to just do a Q&A, and I realized it was pretty much time for the quarterly Q&A, so I was like, all right, perfect, let's just go ahead and do the quarterly Q&A since it doesn't really require as much time to plan. So we're going to be doing a lovely Q&A this week, and I definitely really enjoy doing them because I feel like it... I feel a lot closer to you all when I get to do the Q&As and everything and they're lighthearted, easygoing, everything like that. And I did want to say that I posted the question box for the Q&A on my personal Instagram just because when I do post the Q&A box, question box on the podcast Instagram, I get responses, but a lot of times I feel like each Q&A I do like once a quarter, which I feel like isn't that often um, for a weekly podcast, you know, I feel like the 
questions get repeated a lot and having my personal Instagram, it gets out to more people. So I get a little bit more variety when it comes to questions. So I'm not answering the same questions all the time. And also it just gives me the chance to share some of the questions that I don't get the chance to share on the podcast. I can share them on my personal Instagram and answer them there. So that's kind of why I do it on my personal Instagram, but definitely follow that in addition to the In Bloom podcast Instagram so you can keep up with everything. The podcast Instagram is just at In Bloom podcast and my Instagram is at Abby period Aslin and just A-B-B-Y period A-S-S-E-L-I-N and that's always in the show notes as well. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with a quote for this week. And this week's quote says, if the pain was deep, you will have to let it go many times. And I think this is true, even if the pain isn't really deep and it's just short and sweet and to the point. But I enjoy this quote because it is such a good reminder that healing, grieving, everything like that is not a, you know, one moment type of thing where you get over it. You know, you don't experience letting things go once. The whole grieving is truly just, you know, a journey. There's going to be days where it's easier, days where it's harder, um, or maybe not grieving, but, you know, just going through something, overcoming something, you're not going to have this linear journey with healing. And we always hear that. And it's hard to remember that, but it's important to remember, you know, there's just because, you know, you are feeling really down about something right now doesn't mean that once you get over it, it's forever going to be you know, going forward linear from there. You know, you may have really good days, you may have really bad days, and some days you know you're going to be in a worse mood than others because of whatever it may be. But I just thought it was a good reminder because I tend to ruminate over things as I've shared before, um, especially things that I just feel like I never got like good closure with in my life. You know, I'll just like randomly have it pop up in my head And it's things that don't really matter in my current day life and things that I honestly don't care about as much anymore or anything or maybe I'm overthinking a situation in my current life and it is relevant to my present day life and I'll ruminate on that and it's kind of like I'm, I have to go through it multiple times in the process of trying to heal from it, if that makes sense. And it's important to remember that it's not linear at all and, you know, you're going to, have days where it's some days where it's easier and some days where it's harder so that was the quote for this week and I'm not going to share a goal for this week because honestly I just really need to get through this work week without falling apart pretty much because the first week back to work after vacation is always really hard and I already know I have a lot to do when I get back and it's like really stressing me out so I'm really just like not trying to set goals for myself I really just want to step back into routine and ease into it however I need to. So instead of sharing a goal this week, I wanted to share a favorite. And my favorite this week is Taylor Jenkins Reid, which if you don't know, she is an author and I'm obsessed with her and her books. I The first book I read from her, which I actually recommend kind of reading in this order, is Malibu Rising. And then I read Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And I read both of those like two years ago. Well, Seven Husbands was like a year and a half ago. Malibu Rising was two years ago. And then I read Daisy Jones and the Six um, at the beginning of this year, I believe. And then last week while I was on vacation, I read Carrie Soto is Back. And then right now, I I literally started yesterday and I'm almost done with One True Loves by her. And oh my gosh, I just... Her writing is something else. I posted on my personal Instagram story that she could literally 
write a book about watching grass grow and I would still read it and give it probably more than four stars because she has such a gift for writing stories in such captivating and compelling ways that really just suck you in and you really feel like you're a part of the book and it can be about things that you either don't care about or you don't know anything about yet you're still you know so eager to turn the pages and you're still so invested in the story and I think it takes such true talent to be able to do that especially with topics that somebody has no interest in for example Carrie Soto is back I didn't read it for the longest time because I was just like I don't really care about tennis. I don't really know anything about tennis besides the very bare minimum. So I just don't see myself enjoying the book. But when I went and I like started reading through some of the Goodreads reviews, a lot of people had that same sentiment where they were like, okay, I don't really know anything about tennis. Didn't care for it, but this book was five stars. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's pretty impressive. And I saw multiple of those types of reviews. So I finally picked it up this past week on vacation and I read it and I absolutely loved it. It's honestly one of my favorites by her. I can't pick a top favorite book. I really loved Malibu Rising because of the setting of it with being in California on the beach and there's like surfing involved and I really loved the dynamic of sort of getting to know siblings through a story and everything and hearing different sides in that perspective. But I also really enjoyed Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo for a lot of reasons for like the twists and the turns um, that that book had and also just because it was a very touching book and just very unlike anything I had ever read before but then I really like Carrie Soto is back because it was just such a I don't I don't really know how to say it but I think it was just so captivating because the main character Carrie Soto is she really writes her to be this very unlikable character and you end up just really rooting for her still despite all of her character flaws And it's just, I felt so much closure with the book is what I said on my personal Instagram story when I was giving a review. I just felt so much closure with everything that happened in the book. I hate when I'm reading a book and you finish it and you have that, well, what about this type of feeling? And you're kind of left wanting more and you just don't really feel like all the loose ends were tied up. Truly in Carrie Soto's back, it was just such a full circle, everything. I felt closure with everything that happened in the book. And just the way it ended, I was like, I want more because the book was so good, but I didn't feel like I needed more. You know what I mean? Because it just felt like everything was very well-rounded and taken care of. So I really, really love that book. And One True Loves, I've been flying through because it's, I mean, really interesting from the beginning in my perspective. And it's about a girl that marries her high school sweetheart and the day before their one-year anniversary, which this isn't me giving anything away. This is literally in the book summary. The day before her one-year anniversary with her high school sweetheart and husband, he goes missing in a helicopter crash. And then, you know, she ends up, life goes on and she ends up getting engaged to another guy, but ends up finding out that her, who she once thought was dead fiance or husband is alive. And it's kind of taking her through the journey of all of that. So it's been a really good book as well. And I just really love her writing style so much. And she's definitely got to be probably my favorite romance novel author for sure. Um, She's just really so good at storytelling. So that's been my favorite this week because I am reading like literally two books of hers in the same week. And I also finished Love Theoretically this past week by Allie Hazelwood. Um, I finished it on the plane to Florida. And that book was so amazing. Absolutely loved it. So there's a bunch of book recommendations for y'all if you're in a slump. Any of the ones I just named, even the 
Taylor Jenkins Reid ones that I've said I read forever ago, those are even great to read. So definitely recommend any of those out. And my gratitude, I am so thankful for this time off that I had. And this, I mean, really it was holiday time. So it really wasn't even my vacation time. So I'm thankful that it wasn't true vacation days, even though I have unlimited vacation days and it doesn't really matter through my job. But I'm just really thankful for the time I got to spend with family and spend on the beach. And I'm very thankful that the weather was so great because it didn't rain on us at all. And I was definitely expecting at least two days of just full on rain because I feel like that's how it usually is in Florida in the summer. So I was so thankful that the water was beautiful. There wasn't any really seaweed yet. And I felt like I went at like the perfect time. So I'm just really glad that the weather was really great because now it's like really starting to get like super, super hot to where it's hard to be on the beach for a long amount of time. And I'm sure that they'll have some seaweed coming in in August because that's typically when I feel like it comes in and everything. So I'm just grateful for like the weather I had, getting to see friends and getting to spend time with family and getting to just recharge and grateful to have a really freaking solid tan because I did not burn on this trip. My scalp got burned because I fell asleep like sitting in my beach chair and I used to never sit in beach chairs and I was a strictly laying on a towel person but ever since I started reading on the beach you know a couple years ago reading on the beach in a chair is way more comfortable than on a towel and everything so I fell asleep in the chair the first day I was in Florida and my scalp got burned so other than that I didn't really get any sunburn which is so great but I feel like I got way more tan and I wish so badly that I could keep this tan year round because I was telling my fiance I was like oh my gosh I seriously would never wear makeup ever if I could just be this tan all the time and it's annoying because I feel like tan leaves from your face so much faster than your body and it's so annoying because I just feel like I look so much more healthy and alive and glowing and just so much more myself when I have a really good tan I just feel like I look a completely different person when I'm not naturally tan from the sun and everything so I'm just like oh I wish I could keep this forever but no I have to I'm stuck inside working all day every day but I try to get sun on the weekends and everything so it's fine but let's go ahead and get into the questions and answers for this week's episode so the first question which I really really loved was what this year has taught you the most thus far and I have two things I want to share because two things particularly came to mind and I really like to do these video or these episodes very unplanned in a way because I feel like it's the best way for me to be the most authentic so if I have a lot of filler words or anything in this episode very sorry it's because I don't have a very structured plan but the first thing that I felt like this year has taught me the most thus far is that making fear-based decisions and basically making your decisions out of fear and living with fear being the driver behind everything you do and all of your decisions only gets you farther from where you want to be and I think that this has been such a tough year of sort of realizing the consequences of me living a fear-driven life for so many years because I made so many decisions in college, I made decisions in high school, and I made decisions in post-grad that were driven by fear. Fear of not having something, fear of not being a certain person, fear of not appearing perfect to other people. And because I made so many decisions out of fear instead of out of, you know, faith in things working out for me, instead of out of confidence, I am now living in the consequences of 
making those decisions based out of fear. And it's such a hard thing because it's one of those things that you can only see in hindsight. You can only see the decisions you've made out of fear when you're looking back on when you made them. In the moment, you feel like you're making a good decision because you kind of tell yourself, oh, making a decision is a good thing no matter what decision I make. As long as I'm making a decision, that's all that matters. But that's part of life. You don't realize the consequences of your decisions and your actions until way after the fact sometimes. And I feel like this has been the year of me realizing the actualization of those fear-based decisions I made and being able to see where it took me and where it got me versus where I want to be. And I truly think that all the decisions I have made out of fear have only have done nothing but taken me farther from where I want to be and have pulled me farther from my authentic self. And it's because I'm not doing something I'm not deciding thinking, "Oh, I trust that this is going to work out" or oh, I have faith in, you know, being able to work this out and being able to carry through with this or I believe in myself. I'm not making decisions like that. It's more so I'm making this decision because I am scared of X happening or I'm scared of somebody thinking this of me. And when that is the thought behind the decisions I'm making, why would I think that truly acting and making decisions with that mindset, why would I think that doing that is going to get me to where I want to be? Why would I think that doing that is going to keep me in alignment with my authentic self? Which granted, when I was making all of these fear-based decisions, I didn't know who I really was. I, I wasn't in touch with my core values and I didn't really know who my authentic self was. I didn't know what that meant. So I was really just looking to other people because I didn't know it myself, you know? So because of all of that, I feel like this year I've learned so much and just realizing what happens when you make decisions out of fear and just realizing the consequences of it. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that this year has truly just taught me that I can't do it all. And I think that I have really realized this with wedding planning being added to my plate because I have been doing what I'm doing with managing a full-time job that's pretty demanding and managing being a podcast host and a content creator as well and you know being engaged having a significant other and having somewhat of a social life it's not much but it's something and a dog and still taking care of myself managing all those things isn't easy and I went into my full-time job you know just telling myself I you know I'm just gonna find a way to make it all work and I have done that, but it's been at the expense of a lot of things. There's been a lot of things that I've had to make sacrifices on and for, and I'm not necessarily proud of that. And it's only gotten worse with wedding planning because as you can imagine, the little bit of free time that I had is now being consumed by wedding planning. And I didn't even, I don't even really have a ton of time to do that. So it's just been really stressful. And I think that I've had the realization that it's so silly of me and just ignorant of me to think that I can put, you know, 20% in eight different buckets. I know the math doesn't really work on that, but basically that's what I'm trying to do. I'm, you know, really giving my all and then some to so many different buckets and expecting to get 100% back. But I've mentioned that in the podcast before. It is so ridiculous to think that you can spread yourself so thin and expect, you know, the absolute most to come from each of those things because you can't expect 
to have 100% returns on something you're only, you know, giving your 5% to or your 10% to or your 20% to. And there may be times when you do get 100% return, but it's not going to be a consistent getting everything you want out of everything all the time when you're only giving 20% all the time, if that makes sense. And I feel like that's sort of the expectation I had for myself. I expected if I give, you know, my five hours to YouTube, editing YouTube videos and whatever for the week, I'm going to get back, I'm going to get growth back and I'm going to get really good growth and I'm not going to have stagnant growth and I'm going to have all these incredible brand deals. But it's just silly for me to think that when I'm only able to give such a small fraction of my time to it. And, you know, I can believe it for myself that it'll happen, but it's not like it's going to be this consistent thing where it's happening week over week, you know, and same thing with friendships and with relationships, you know, you truly do get out of it what you put into it to an extent. So that's been another thing that I've learned and it's been really hard because I'm trying to figure out a way to make it all work still, but it's just like, at what point is enough enough? You know, like when do you say I've, I've had it, I can't take anymore and kind of draw the line and reassess and figure things out because I truly just feel like it's at the point where I just am realizing, all right, I can't do all of these things all the time and expect any of them to go better than I want them to when I'm not able to give a lot to them. So the next question is, how do you maintain your independence while in a relationship and take time for yourself? And I definitely have answered this this one before. But I truly think that the key to this is just staying true to you. And the best way to stay true to you is to just always honor your own boundaries and then do what you want to do. And it's so important to any of those hobbies you have when you go into a relationship. You know, just because you're spending more time with another person doesn't mean that you have to give up those hobbies. You just sort of reprioritize your time. You know what I mean? I think everybody's first instinct when they jump into a relationship is, okay, I'm spending more time with this person, so that means I've got to cut time somewhere else. And your first instinct is to just cut your free time, which is typically consumed by, you know, engaging in your hobbies or maybe hanging out with friends or something. And that's your first instinct is to just completely cut those things out. But a more healthy approach, I believe, is to say, okay, I'm in a relationship now and I'm spending more time with this person. How can I keep everything that I'm already doing, but just reallocate the hours? So maybe instead of spending six hours on the weekend of your hobby, you say, okay, I'm only going to do two hours of my hobby on the weekend. And then I can give two hours back to, you know, preparing for the week and then two hours back to me time over the weekend whatever that means for you, instead of just completely giving it up. So I think that that's my best piece of advice. And trust me, I know when I like my tendency when I first get into relationships, it's been in hindsight, I can like look back and see this now. And I've definitely talked about this before, but I just jump into a relationship and I'm like, okay, I will, you know, do anything to spend as much time as I can with this person. And I'm just kind of doing everything I can to be what I would think that person imagines a perfect girlfriend to be or what the average person would imagine a perfect girlfriend to be so right so I'm like dropping everything to embody that but that's not healthy and I can see that looking back but then you know I eventually got to a a point in all my long-term relationships where I realized oh I've totally just been you know saying screw who I actually am let me put on this show like this is the 
who I think you believe to be perfect girlfriend Barbie that is going to be in your life. And then one day I'm going to wake up and be like, wait a minute, this isn't me. Um, and I actually have these interests that I haven't done anything with in so long. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go pick those back up now. Thanks. And that's just kind of how it goes. Um, for me at least. And I know that that's probably a pretty common, um, situation that I think a lot of people probably find themselves running into. And I think that it really happens when you don't have a true strong grip of yourself and you don't have a true sense of self and you aren't, you know, totally secure in who you are because then you just sort of end up shaping and molding yourself to be what, you know, what fits best in somebody else's schedule and, you know, say, screw everything else on my plate. But I think the best, healthiest way to approach it is say, how can I keep everything that's on my plate now and just reallocate the hours? So maybe you're just spending less time watching TV during the week. Maybe you're spending less time with friends, but you're still spending time with friends, right? And maybe you're spending less time, I don't know, going to workout classes or you choose to do something that's closer to you so you can get some more time back in your day that way. So I think that that's sort of the best way to approach it. And the next question is, how is wedding planning going? Have you had to make any compromises while planning? It's been going okay. And I know I've talked about it before in the podcast. I feel so guilty for wanting this season of my life to be over of planning a wedding because I know that it's a, you know, hopefully once in a lifetime thing for me. And I don't, you know, anticipate having to ever do this again. So, you know, I want to soak up this time in my life, but oh my gosh, it's just when it is consuming so much of my free time in the evenings and on the weekends, it's hard not to just want it to, you know, be done with. And I hate saying that because I want to enjoy the season of life so badly, but it's just so hard, you know, and I think the other really hard part about it is that I am such an indecisive person and I am a chronic, you know, researcher. I, I like literally go so far when it comes to reading reviews on things and researching things so and I I don't feel secure making decisions until I've gone through a very lengthy intense research process basically for things and it makes making decisions for the wedding so hard because with things like the tablescapes like how the tables are going to look at the wedding and the floral arrangements and that kind of thing. It's just been really hard for me to just make decisions because it's, you know, I have to make a decision on how how things are going to look and how things are going to be. And it's hard to do that when other things aren't final, right? So it's hard to just like jump the gun and say, okay, I'm going to order all this and do all this because I'm just really indecisive. So it takes a long time for me to decide what I'm going to do. And I feel like I need to explore all of my options first, but in order to efficiently plan things, you can't explore all your options first. You kind of just need to go with your gut and do things. So that's been really hard, but it's been going good. I think the biggest things we have left, I have to order the linen still. I have the quote and I asked them to revise the quote. So once they revise it, I'll be able to order it. So that's like a big thing. I have to actually place the rental order for the flowers. I need to get my wedding shoes and then the cake. And then we have to ask the person who's going to be our officiant to be our officiant. So those are really the big things we have left and everything else is pretty much taken care of. Um, I do think we are actually getting a videographer. We were going to, then we saw how much it was and we were like, yeah, we're not doing that. And then we ended up finding, um, actually one of Griffin's childhood neighbors, friends, um, her and her sister run a videography like for weddings and everything like that type of business. 
and they are a much more affordable option. I'm talking half of what everybody else was and they provide, like their best package is basically half of the other packages that we were looking at elsewhere that included less than what we're getting. So I am really excited about that, but it's been really expensive. I just hate how expensive the wedding industry is. I feel like it's very, I don't know. I feel like they just, it's just an opportunity to really exploit people with prices. And I feel like people just take it and run with it and it sucks. And I know I'm sure y'all have probably heard how, you know, you can say you're just having an event with, you know, like a rental company and the prices are so much more different if you say you're having a wedding. It's like way cheaper to just say, oh, I'm having an event instead of, oh, I'm having a wedding because wedding just means they're going to tack on, you know, an extra premium just because it's a wedding and it's ridiculous. And I have had to make compromises actually while planning and there's been several and, you know, ultimately initially I really wanted to do, I truly just wanted like a backyard wedding something small not super small but like 100 people and then I realized that just like our family that we would be inviting between my fiance side and my side that was basically 100 people and I was like well I definitely do want friends there (laughs) like I do I need like every single friend there no but I still want you know at least my closest friends there so and then we couldn't really figure out where backyard we would do it like I tried to look at outdoor type of places and it was just hard and I also didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket with being in an outdoor only type of venue you know what I mean because you never know what the weather's going to do and I wouldn't want the plan b to be something I'm not happy with you know what I mean and I have had to make compromises and if you watch my youtube videos I've talked about this recently so I mean you can skip over this part but ultimately I did not want to do a first look at all I don't have anything against first looks I actually think they're great and I think that I will love doing one but personally me myself I just didn't really want to do one it's just not what I felt in my gut that I wanted to do I really wanted to have that moment walking down the aisle be the first time you know my fiance sees me in my dress and everything and you know I spend so much money on the dress and on the wedding I kind of want to do the thing that makes the moment more special you know what I mean and I feel like having that moment as you're coming down the aisle makes it more special than if they see you beforehand and that's my personal opinion and I like I said I don't think there's anything wrong with first looks because I truly think I'm going to be happy either way no matter what I want to do it's just at my core in my gut that's not what I wanted to do and I also wanted to get married during outside during um sunset or not during sunset but I guess like right before sunset um and we just can't really do that either because we are getting married New Year's Eve and with that our reception is going to be longer since we're going until like 12 30 at night and because of that you know we're going to have a really long reception time and because the sun sets at like 5 30 in the winter as long as they don't do the time change thing I it basically would set us up if we started at four basically if the sun sets at 5 30 um if we started the ceremony at four then we would have you know, 4 to 4.30 ceremony, and then 4.30 to 5.30 cocktail hour, and I was like, a 5.30 to 12.30 reception just seems too long, and I started getting really anxious thinking about other people and other people getting bored, and I know that it's really like our day, and it's my big day, and I should just do what I want to do, but I was like, I really don't want people to be bored, and that's a really long time for people to be drinking with like free access to alcohol you know what I mean and I felt like that could just go south really quickly if people have too long of a period of time to drink on a holiday like that and I just really didn't want people 
to get bored basically and in my opinion I'm like I know I won't get bored right but it's like I am a people pleaser naturally so my first instinct is to kind of think of okay well what is everybody else gonna think of this and I was like all right that's a really long time even with dinner included and dances and everything there would still be you know at least a solid four to five hours of just like dance floor time and that's a very long time and don't get me wrong, I could be on a dance floor all night long and have the time of my life, but I know that not everybody can, and I don't want people to get bored and be like, all right, when is this thing going to be over type of thing, you know? So that started really stressing me out, and then I was like, all right, so we can't start at four, and like we would have to start at four because if I wanted to do a first look and I wanted to be married outside, four o'clock was the start time, so that the photographer and videographer had plenty of time to get the shots they needed afterwards if we weren't doing a first look. So then I was like, all right, well, what if we do a first look and start at four? And then I was like, all right, there's no point in doing that because then, you know, we just have, a, we don't have to do that. Like it's either one or the other basically. So then the next thing we considered was, okay, well, what if we just, you know, do a first look, but I just wear like a different dress during the first look and we get pictures doing our first look. And then I come down the aisle in my dress and we just start later. Like we start at like six and I like the idea of that, but at the same time, I want pictures of us outside and the natural beauty of where our venue is around sunset because that's like my favorite time of the day and everything and it means a lot to me and that the pictures obviously mean a lot to me being a content creator and everything and I'm like I don't want all of my pictures to be in indoor lighting and that's the issue if we start late um if we have a ceremony inside and then if all of our family pictures and all our pictures together indoors we're only going to have artificially lighted photos and nothing's going to be in natural light. And I don't like the idea of that at all. And that might sound really crazy and really picky, but it's just something that I care about a lot. So that was really hard because then I basically, the solution to all of that was me basically saying, all right, screw everything I want. Here's what we're going to have to do instead type of thing. So we're going to be starting later than for now and you know, that'll help with the reception. It'll still be a little bit longer than a normal reception, but it's going to be not near as long as it was going to be. And we are going to do a first look so that we can get um, pictures beforehand and everything. Um, But my issue now is deciding if we're going to have the ceremony, because I kind of want to do just like a candlelit outdoor ceremony right at dusk, like after the sun is basically setting. And I'm just like, okay, but then I run into the issue of how are the pictures going to be good and how is the video going to be good if it's like dark outside and you can't you can't count on the flash from the photographer because that would be really distracting the entire ceremony to see the flash going off every few seconds and I don't necessarily want to do like spotlights because I feel like that kind of ruins the whole idea of candlelit so it's just a big like what do I do type of situation that's kind of one of the big things I'm trying to figure out right now is okay am I going to do that or are we going to just do indoor and have it be, you know, later. So that's kind of what we're trying to figure out there. And that's, those are the big compromises that I've made thus far. And I think it's really hard because everyone tells you going into wedding planning, you know, it's your big day. Don't make compromises for anything. Only do what you want to do. And while I believe that's true to an extent, I think you, in order to not feel let down during the wedding planning process, you absolutely must go into it expecting to make compromises you know what I mean I think I went into it thinking that because I had so many people telling me you know do what you want to do and don't budge for anything else and that kind of thing 
but that's not reality you know like you need to go into it expecting to make compromises so that you're not disappointed when you do have to make compromises so and somebody asked me what books have I enjoyed lately so I know I went over all the Taylor Jenkins reads books earlier and then I also mentioned love theoretically which I loved all of those I also loved same time next summer which I know y'all heard me talk about and Nora goes off script and those are two other books that I've read recently that I've really loved and I'm trying to think of what else I've read but I feel like that covers most of everything and to kind of piggyback an earlier question that the question about becoming independent in a relationship and everything like that I wanted to answer this part because it was kind of a part two that someone added but I actually had three or four questions about how to be independent in a relationship so I think it's something that a lot of people probably are just struggling with right now and need help with so the second question that someone asked and like piggybacking off of can you explain how to become independent in a relationship which I know I already answered they kind of asked about avoiding jealousy around their significant other being with friends and this is definitely hard because I think that it this is very dependent on your attachment style and I think that one thing you can do is you can take an attachment style quiz and it's actually very helpful because you can see what your attachment style is in a relationship and then sort of read the common traits of that attachment style and sort of how to work with having that type of attachment style and I don't know mine off the top of my head but I took it a while ago and it's funny because I have a different attachment style early on in a relationship versus once I'm, you know, feeling secure in the relationship and very confident in it and everything. And that's probably true for most people. But I think the biggest thing is you don't, like, your feelings are valid, right? I don't want to invalidate your feelings if you're feeling, you know, jealous because your significant other is spending more time with their friends than they are with you. That's one thing. But if they're just trying to spend time with friends and they're also spending time with you you know they need that time with their friends you want your significant if you you know truly like love your significant other and want to be with them and want to make something work with them you have to let them have that time with their friends and that time with their family and that time doing the things that they want to do on their own in order for them to love you to the best of their ability right because there's not really they're gonna they're gonna start resenting you basically if you're you know constantly getting in, in a position where you're you know feeling jealous anytime they want to go do something without you or any or if you're just feeling upset anytime they want to go do something without you that's going to cause them more than likely to start feeling resentment towards you which is only going to you know cause friction in the relationship and it's I know for some people, depending on your attachment style, it's harder to accept that than it is for others. But ultimately, I think that, you know, if you have access to and can talk to someone like a therapist about it, I think that's something, you know, I'm not a licensed therapist, so like always take my advice with a grain of salt in these episodes. But I personally think that that's something that a therapist therapist could really help you work through. But ultimately, from my perspective, I like to look at it from the perspective of, in order for us to, you know, be our best selves when we come together, we have to look at ourselves as two whole, you know, separate people with different lives. And then when we come together, it's almost, you know, like a third life together. And in order for us to just have the most fun and the best time and love each other to the best of our abilities, we need to be able to fill our own cup. And filling your own cup is going to look different for everyone. For some people, that's going to be that's going to look like more alone time for, you know, like for me and my fiance, for example, 
filling my cup looks like a lot of, you know, alone time and recharging and just doing a lot of my little hobbies and then some occasional social time. And then my fiance, for him to fill his cup, he is very energized and charged by being around people. And sometimes that's me, sometimes that's his family, sometimes that's his friends. So I have to look at it from the perspective of, okay, in order for us to come together and be able to, you know, love each other with a full heart and from a full cup, I have to allow him to fill his cup. However, you know, he does so. And I don't want him to ever, you know, resent me for not allowing him to recharge in the way he needs to recharge or anything like that. So I, you kind of just have to look at it through that lens in order to sort of understand that. But in terms of avoiding the feeling, you're not really going to avoid the feeling. So, because that was what the question asked, how do we avoid feeling jealous? But ultimately, you're going to feel the way you feel. And the goal probably doesn't need to be, like I said, take this with a grain of salt. In my opinion, the goal doesn't necessarily need to be avoiding the feeling. It needs to be recognizing that you have that feeling and then working with yourself and maybe with someone else on working through that feeling and how to get on the other side of that feeling when you realize you're experiencing it, if that makes sense. So that's my best advice for that. And the next question is what would be your dream job? Don't think of logistics, just what would you love to do? And I had a few people ask that and I really like this question and I know I've definitely probably answered this before, but I think I usually haven't answered it from the perspective of point blank period, what would you love to do? And I really, when I saw this question, I just like really tried to sit and like close my eyes and think about it for a moment. And I have two kind of thoughts in my head. So like for one, one thought is like running a coffee shop or something of that sort and maybe, or some sort of, some sort of just like small business basically, whether that's, you know, a coffee shop, a fitness studio or a surf shop or something of that sort and that's like one but I feel like that is more so just my entrepreneurial type of spirit that I have that kind of craves that but in terms of a dream job job like an actual job that's not just like tied to my desire to work for myself I guess you could say I truly think that I would absolutely love to be a part of sort of urban development I guess you could say and you're probably like okay that's weird you definitely didn't go to school for that I know I didn't really know what urban planning and like urban development and that kind of thing was until I was in college but I think it would be so cool to be a part of the I guess group of people who you know sort of helps revive like smaller communities and revive and maybe not even smaller communities big cities whatever I know a lot of people probably think of gentrification when they hear this and that's not what I mean I guess when I'm saying okay urban planning but I know that that's typically what what happens a lot of time is you know people get displaced um the current people who live in an area tend to get displaced and that's like the process of gentrification when you know the a lower income urban area is you know totally getting its feet swept out from under them because more wealthier people are moving in and like there's all these new things that are coming into an area and then you know the people that live there are getting pushed out not in that type of way like 
that would not be the goal. I think that ultimately it would be like enriching areas that are already there by like not displacing the people that are there, if that makes sense. And I say this because I feel like I experienced it from an outside perspective with my hometown in a way because our downtown area in Panama City where I'm from Panama City, Panama City Beach, and the downtown Panama City area, growing up, it was like just not where you went. It was basically just a historical area, but there was nothing there to go do and see besides like maybe two stores that had just been there for forever. But the rest of it was basically just empty and it wasn't being used. And over the years since I went through college, but ultimately after Hurricane Michael hit Panama City in 2018, the people who are in charge of, I guess, revitalizing that area have done such an incredible job. And now it's just a place with all of these really good local restaurants and local stores and local like breweries and that kind of thing. And it's a place where you want to go and be. And I think that from somebody who grew up there and once knew it as a place that you didn't really ever go to and to now go back and be like, oh, that's somewhere where I'm going to go have dinner and like see an area where you can walk around and enjoy the space and see that people take pride in it and see the jobs that it's created for locals and everything it's really cool to see I guess from an outside perspective over time how that changed and I think it would be so cool to be somebody who helps I guess in the decision making of that and really it was really cool because it was an area that was already there right the buildings were already there it was just people came in and gave those buildings you know love and they developed their own businesses in them and stuff and I know that that more so has to do with the business owners than the urban planners in terms of the way it actually comes out looking but I think it would just be a very cool job but honestly I say that knowing little to nothing about what they actually do day to day I know it requires a lot of like research and collaboration with other groups and everything groups of people but I don't truly know what they do day to day and I don't really know how how much like what all goes into it so I say that but that might not actually be my dream job but when I think about it I think that it's just like it seems like it could be very fulfilling but it's also something that I feel like is a little creative it's a little analytical so it's just like a good blend the next question is how do you overcome the fear of growing up so fast I totally relate to this I truly just feel like a 17 year old stuck in a 26 year old's am I 26 could someone help me I don't know how old I am I don't know how old I am right now. No, I'm 25. Am I okay? I'm literally 25. See, I'm like already jumping ahead. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I just had that like total brain fart moment, but I'm really exhausted if you can't tell. But I am 25 and I feel like a 17 year old stuck in a 25 year old's body. And it's so crazy because since I feel that way, I'm almost scared it's always going to feel that way, you know, because I look at my parents and sometimes I think that they are... 17 year olds stuck in their you know older body too and I know that that's not necessarily true and I think that that will probably change as I like maybe like start a family have children whatever but it's just so hard and I think that it's a fear that like I feel like I'll never overcome because it's one of those things that I just know I'll be facing inevitably you know we get older each day and that's just a fact and it's inevitable but the way I try to I guess make myself at peace with it is I try to think of all of the good wonderful things that have happened in my life so far that I'm so blessed with 
and think of, okay, with each year I get older, that's, you know, another year of opportunity for more of those good and wonderful things. And also just another year of opportunity to meet more people, to learn new things, to learn lessons. And I try to just look at it from that perspective rather than think of it as my time's running out type of thing, you know. There's two different ways you can look at it. And I think that the more you can look at it as, oh, wow, let me like look back on my last, you know, however many years of life and think of all the wonderful things that I've been blessed with in my time and think of how much more is to come still type of thing. And I try to think that way. I am definitely naturally a little bit more of a pessimist. So I, the thoughts of, well, what about all the bad things that have happened in the last couple of years and or my over the span of my life? Think of how many more bad things will happen. But that's obviously not the best way to think, right? And that's just not something you want to think about. So I just try to think of it as, okay, think of all the things that are still left that are you know going to be good for me and I try to think of it that way and the next question is how to adjust to moving to a new state and not knowing anyone except your fiance this is so hard especially because when you're moving with somebody you already know whether you're like say you're moving with your college roommate or one of your best friends from college to a new city and y'all are still going to be living together or you're going to be living together and it's somebody you do know that's a comfort thing, right? Like that person provides a feeling of comfort and home to you. So it's going to be really hard to push yourself to get out of your comfort zone, aka leaving your home once you move, because you're going to just feel so comfortable in the walls of your own home. And the same is true for, you know, if you're with your fiance, I'm assuming your fiance is somebody that you feel very safe and comfortable around, hopefully. So, you know, when you move to a new state, it's kind of like, why would I go do anything else when you know I'm just comfortable and safe here at home and while that's a beautiful and wonderful thing you can still do both and meet new people and honestly I don't really have a great answer to this question just because I am literally still working through this and I have been living in Houston now for two years and it's it's hard and while I do have you know some friends here and everything I feel I do feel like a lot of the time it's mainly him that my fiance that has friends here since he is technically you know back in his hometown I guess you could say so it's hard because it's not where I'm from and I don't know many people here and sometimes it just always feels like you're not really I don't know like you you feel you're like okay like I know people and I hang out with people and I have my good friends and everything but when you're just coming from somewhere else sometimes you just don't really feel like you're a puzzle piece that ever really fits right anywhere if that makes sense and you always feel a little bit out of place. And the best thing I have to say is to just, you know, put yourself out there as much as you can. I haven't been the best about doing this just because I've been so busy between studying for and taking the CPA, starting my job, and then, you know, jumping into planning a wedding. I just feel like I haven't had a lot of downtime, I guess, to throw myself out there. And maybe that's what my late 20s are going to be for, um, throwing myself out there and doing more things, meeting more people, whatever, because I've definitely just been kind of like stuck and occupied with other things since I've moved here but ultimately just and even if it means like doing things with your fiance because it's really hard to just go do those things yourself but maybe y'all go to like a group workout class and you meet another couple or you go to on a walk somewhere and you run into somebody else or you go to a dog park and you meet meet other couples with dogs or maybe you just go to a restaurant and you know chit chat with somebody at a bar or something like there are ways for you to do it. You just kind of have to step out of your comfort zone. And if you don't know anyone, just know that you're not, people aren't just going to show up on your doorstep, right? And knock and like ask to meet you. You know, you're not going to meet anybody until you put yourself out there to meet people, basically. 
And the next question is, how do you balance time with your family versus Griffin since yours lives so far away? Is it hard on you? And for those of you who don't know, Griffin is my fiance. He is from the Houston area and we live in Houston. So his family is still here for the most part besides his siblings that are in college or that have graduated and everything. And my brother and sister-in-law, fortunately, are outside of Houston, like an hour away from my fiance and I, which is so, so nice. But my parents are still in Florida where I grew up, which is like 10 hours away. And it is definitely very hard. And I have felt so much guilt during this season of wedding planning because my fiance's family is who is physically close to us. So I feel like it's who we tend to talk about things with more. And we just have, it just comes up in discussion more because we see them more often in person and everything. Whereas with my family, I'm not seeing them in person as often. So I feel like I'm only talking to them about wedding stuff when we have to. And I have felt so much guilt with, you know, not having my parents be as involved and like just discussing things. Like even if it's not making a decision, they're just like not able to be as involved in discussing things and talking about things related to the wedding because they're so far away. And I definitely, you know, try to as much as I can, but it's really hard. And I felt so much guilt with that. And it's really difficult. And I also just feel so much guilt in general, just being so far from them. And it's really hard because it's just something you kind of do. And I, I just know growing up, you know, my my family, we lived far from both of my parents' parents growing up for a while. But then we ended up moving to the same place where my grandparents were on my mom's side. But then we were you know, 10 hours from my dad's parents and my dad grew up like, or we grew up far from my dad's side of the family and saw them way less often. So it's just kind of hard to like see how all of that plays out in life and how much it just impacts things in a way. And it is definitely very hard on me. And, but at the same time, like I wouldn't want to be far from Griffin's family either. You know what I mean? Like obviously in a perfect ideal world we'd all be in the same place which would be so nice and so much more convenient but I know that that's not reality and it probably won't ever be but I don't really know um but as far as balancing time goes we definitely try to do one major holiday with one family and then the other with the other family so you know do Thanksgiving with one family and then do Christmas that year with the other family that we didn't do Thanksgiving with so that way those major holidays you're kind of getting your time in with both families but what we've been trying to do lately is we're all doing Thanksgiving together and then Christmas we've actually always done separate um we've actually never been together on Christmas day in our entire almost six years of dating which is so crazy and this will be our first Christmas together since Christmas will be like basically a week before our wedding which is so insane to think about but I'm really looking forward to that to us having our first Christmas together it's definitely really special but it's also extremely sad and bittersweet for me that I'm not going to be in Florida for the first time and not even necessarily in Florida because there's been many years in the past growing up where we would come to Texas for Christmas because it's when we would see my dad's side of the family who is they're all over Texas so we would always like every other year for a while we would come to Texas for Christmas um like when I was in high school and then like late middle school and we would see people all of our family all over Texas and everything while we would come and a lot of times we were here in Texas on Christmas day actually and so I'm not necessarily saying oh not being in Florida is the end of the world but it's more so just you know being in like a childhood home and granted my parents home is not my childhood home they've moved so many times but just being where you know I don't know what I consider my parents home it's just weird and not being there for the first time will be weird but it's all a good thing you know all good things it's you know signifying us starting our new life together and everything so I'm looking forward to that but 
it is very hard and just balancing time like I said we just try to do one holiday with one major holiday with one and then the other with the other and alternate every year basically that's kind of what my brother and sister-in-law do so they'll alternate every year it's not like the same family gets Thanksgiving every year so you know if my my family gets Thanksgiving this year and that her family gets um Christmas this year then it's going to switch next year and we'll have Christmas and then my sister-in-law's family will have Thanksgiving that kind of thing so it's definitely really hard but I also just try I I really deal with it too and a lot of it's also so I can just save money and still go on trips and vacations anytime I have like more than two days off of work I'm pretty much you can pretty much bet your bottom dollar I'm going back to my parents house in Florida and I know I talk about it all the time but I'm just so thankful to come from such a naturally beautiful place that I enjoy going back to and spending time at and I try to just get a lot of good quality time in with them when I go back home so that's kind of how I work through it but the next question is somebody asked about how to schedule your day in a job and just kind of mentioned how they were in a role where they had meetings kind of dropped on their schedule last minute and things like that and just kind of made their days feel really chaotic and I had somebody else also ask you know how do you just sort of schedule your work day in your job and if you don't know I am a CPA at a big four firm and this can be really hard and in terms of like meetings and stuff I don't really have a ton of meetings with my current position I feel like you tend to get a lot more meetings when you get higher up and get more at like a manager level and when you're a staff and senior you're doing a lot more just like preparing and first level reviewing so there aren't you know you're not like booked in meetings all day long basically but I typically try to schedule my day by I kind of base it off of my working style so I know that I work really really well from you know like 8 to 11 and then or 8 to 12 I guess you could say 9 to 12 whatever in the morning hours and then I kind of hit a slump not necessarily to where I'm you know not like working or anything or that I'm working slowly but I'm just sort of feeling lethargic and ready for the end of the day after lunch and then for like the two hours after lunch I guess you would say so until like two or three ish and then that like back last few hours of the day are also typically kind of productive for me unless for me unless it's on a Friday I hate the last few hours of Fridays so much but I try to think of when I'm the most productive and when I'm the best at focusing and then I sort of just schedule my tasks that way so things that I know are going to be more tedious and take a lot more time I tried to front load at the beginning of my day and obviously this is me prioritizing based on urgency I'm not going to do something I'm not going to put off something that's super urgent just because I don't work well during the morning like if it's super urgent I'm going to work on it no matter what right so I if if I once I've ranked things I guess in order of urgency I'm going to do the more tedious things during the hours I work better and then I'll save the more you know just maybe easier things that are only going to take like 30 minutes or an hour maybe more monotonous and things that I can like kind of do in my sleep type of tasks during the time of day that I feel like I'm kind of crashing and in terms of being able to figure out how to schedule your day when you're constantly having meetings dropped and everything I would try and discuss with somebody like maybe the person who's putting those meetings on your schedule or maybe it's a bunch of different people putting meetings on your schedule I would do your best to set boundaries and block time off like in your calendar and Outlook or whatever platform you use. Block time off in your calendar so that people can't book meetings with you during that time so that you have it blocked off to 
have to yourself to actually get work done and you may be like well can't they still just put the meeting on my calendar anyways yes they can but if they're using something that suggests times if you put that you're busy on your own personal calendar like I always have it during lunchtime I have my I have like 12 to 1 blocked off on my calendar because I don't want anybody putting a meeting on my calendar during when I should be having lunch right and a lot of people do that like it's very normal and maybe it's you putting that you're busy from 8 to 10 because you need that time to go through your email, start your day, work on things, get started, and then after 10, you can have your meetings. And I definitely recommend setting that up in your calendar. Calendar That's definitely like a physical, actual way to set a boundary and sort of make people work with it because people can still put that time on your calendar, but if it says you're busy, they're going to try to find something else that works. You know what I mean? So that's the first tip. And then secondly, I would talk to somebody about it and just maybe reach out to someone and say, hey, how do you manage to get your work done and, you know, keep things, keep track of things and keep things aligned? Because I can imagine it's really hard to keep track of what you've done and what you haven't done when you're constantly having to drop things to do meetings last minute and everything. So maybe ask somebody that's already been there for a while that's in a similar position to you and say, how do you structure your days and how do you make sure you're getting what you need to get done done and how do you keep track of things when, you know, everything is just like, okay, meeting dropped on the schedule in like 10 minutes and it's chaotic. So I would definitely ask for advice. I definitely, you know, use actual boundaries and block some time off on your physical calendar if you can and that kind of thing and that's sort of the best perspective I have for that answer and the next question which is going to be the last one for today is why did you decide on New Year's Eve for your wedding is that like a special day for you and Griffin so it is a special day for us but not like not really but we did kind of once we decided on New Year's Eve we were like wait this is actually kind of special because every year that we were together in college which was sophomore year on basically sophomore year through my one year of grad school we wouldn't like I already said we never spent Christmas together we'd go home for our own respective Christmas breaks and then Griffin's family always went on the same like sort of vacation every year at right after Christmas until New Year's Eve and they would fly back to Houston usually on New Year's Eve so then I would also be flying or I wouldn't also be but we basically planned it to where the very first year we did it my sophomore year of college I planned to fly in to Houston the same day they were so we could all go to the airport or go home to their family's house from the airport together. And it was just kind of nice because I got to spend time with my family and then we'd usually go back to school around like the 4th of July or 4th of July, oh my gosh, the 4th of January. So I would get to spend some time with his family basically um, with him in Houston and then we would drive to school together and like kind of um, just make things work that way. And so that was like what we did the very first year is it was like on New Year's Eve, we all sort of flew in and met at the airport. And then it became a tradition to where it's like I always came in on New Year's Eve every year after that. Like I would go home for Christmas break early December and then I'd be home through New Year's Eve and then New Year's Eve for a couple days I'd go visit him. So I was like, oh, this is special because this was like our day that we reunited over Christmas break every year of our relationship basically but we ultimately decided on new year's eve because we got engaged on september 3rd of 2022 i knew that with us planning our own wedding i would need more than 12 months and more than a year basically because i knew i wasn't going to be hiring a wedding planner besides what i have what i'm required to have through my venue which is just a day of coordinator so i knew i wouldn't be doing anything more than that and i was like there's no way i can you know basically be working a full-time job, a part-time job, 
with content creating and plan a wedding in one year. So I was like, let's do, you know, a longer engagement. But I didn't want it to be too long to where it was like we were just dragging out the decision-making process or we were just dragging it out in general. And I don't have anything against long engagements. I think they're great and every couple's different. I wanted ours to be longer than normal, which is like, you know, typically a year. But I didn't want to make it to like the two-year point. You know what I mean? And I also knew I didn't want to get married in the summer. I refused to get married in the heat of the summer, whether it was in Florida or in Texas. I was like, I'm not getting married in the summer. And I'm drawing a line there because I hate – I'm such a hot person and I sweat all the time. I'm like, I don't want to be sweating on my wedding day like that. So that kind of took summer out of the question, which would be basically the two-year mark for us. And I can't really – do a wedding from like January to mid-May basically because of my job. I could maybe get away with a late April wedding, but it would be so stressful on top of my job. So I just knew it wouldn't work. So with knowing I didn't want to do summer and then knowing that we wanted to do more than a year, but not quite two years and knowing that I can't really do anything January to mid-May and then also like mid-August to mid-September is also like a block off time where I'm really busy at work. So that took kind of like August and September off the table. So you pretty much have January to September off the table. And I was like, well, great. Um, October felt like a year basically because it was. And November, I was like, oh, Thanksgiving, I don't really know. And that still doesn't really feel long enough. So I was like, okay, I think December is a perfect amount of time because it's 15 months of being engaged which just sounds like a good amount of time. That's just what felt right to me. But then I was like, oh, but there's Christmas. And that's just kind of difficult. And then I started thinking about the fact that so many of our guests are going to be coming from out of town. So knowing that people were traveling, I didn't want people to have to use their vacation time like through work to come to our wedding. Um, So I was like, wait, New Year's Eve would actually be perfect. And I kind of like always liked the idea of it in the back of my mind. I remember saying to a friend in college, I really would love to get married on New Year's Eve one day. Like that's just, I love, I've always hated the holiday because it's just one of those holidays that I feel like sucks if you don't have a friend group because you're just always kind of like waiting on someone to make plans or like plans would fall through and it was just always a letdown of a holiday to me. And now I love that it's going to be our anniversary because it's going to give me a reason to love it and like look forward to it. You you know what I mean? So I kind of liked that. And then just thinking about our guests since New Year's Eve is on a Sunday this year. I was like, okay, that's perfect because most people, not everyone, you know, like the nurses of our families and friends and everything won't necessarily have off um, essential workers, I guess you could say, but most everyone's going to have January 1st off of work and most people hopefully, you know, won't be working New Year's Eve too, especially those who, you know, work a typical Monday to Friday schedule. I'd say the majority of people. I don't want to say like everybody because that's obviously not true. But majority of the people who would be coming to our wedding aren't going to be working on New Year's Eve and they aren't going to be working on Monday because of it being the federally recognized, observed, whatever day for New Year's Day. So with all of that being said, I was like, oh, that's perfect because people can fly in Saturday, not have to take off work and then have the wedding Sunday and fly back Monday and that'll be a holiday day. So in my eyes, I was like, great, we're not using up people's PTO time, basically. But then other people look at it from the perspective of, oh, you're taking up people's holiday time, which I feel like it's far enough from Christmas because it's like once Christmas is over, I feel like it's just that it's that lull. Everybody always talks about how it's like after Christmas, before New Year's. It's like, what is even going on during that week? Because some people don't have to work. Some people do. Some people like jump right back into things right after Christmas. And then other people don't really have to go back to work until after New Year's. 
So it's just that like weird, awkward in between time. So I don't really, I feel like people are either traveling back and like getting back to their home base or their, you know, just sort of a transition period, I guess you could say. And I was like, I feel like New Year's Eve is good because it's not so close to Christmas to where people have plenty of time to like leave their Christmas plans and part ways with that and, you know, come to the wedding. But maybe, obviously we can't please everybody. And if we were trying to please everybody, then, you know, we wouldn't be having a wedding basically because there would be no way to do it for everyone. But I was really looking at it from the perspective of, oh, this will be really great because nobody's going to have to use PTO. Um, so that's kind of why I looked at it that way or how I looked at it. But there's two different ways you can look at it, you know. Um, so that's sort of just how I initially thought of it, I guess you could say. But I'm really excited for it because it's, like I said, it's a holiday that I haven't ever really enjoyed all that much. So I feel like it'll give me a refreshed view of the holiday, I guess you could say. But that's all I'm going to answer for this week's Q&A episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it and be sure to follow In Bloom Podcast on Instagram at In Bloom Podcast and join the In Bloom Podcast Facebook group and please leave a review because it helps out the show so much. And thank you all so much for listening. I love y'all and I will talk to you all next week.